why are students leaving the church after they graduate high school? And what can we do to keep this and help this from happening? All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, if you're new to the podcast, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is Ryan Sebastian, and I just want to thank you for making this a part of your day and tuning in as we're going to be talking to Ben Trueblood today. Uh, I was uh, really looking forward to talking to him just a few months ago, just finished reading the book Within Reach. Uh, it's a research and and of uh, why teens are, are leaving the church after they graduate and kind of different strategies to how to combat this. So it's a really good resource, really good books. So I really kind of wanted to talk to uh, Ben kind of about uh, this concept of, of why are, are students leaving the church uh, after they graduate and going to college? What are the reasons behind that? How to combat that and strategies within your ministry that you can kind of uh, help prevent those uh, those teens from once they graduate to completely leaving the church. So I was really looking forward to talking to him. We had a great great conversation uh, as we're going through that. And also, we we talked a little bit about a new resource that recently came out. Uh, it's a book called A Different College Experience. It's a great book, and again, I highly recommend that if you have a teen who is a a junior, senior, or even a freshman college would definitely recommend buying this book for them, uh, giving it to them, because uh, again, it's a great resource. Kind of it's like something I kind of wish I had, even though I went to a Liberty University, I went to a Christian Christian university, and I had a lot of opportunities when I was there. But I really wish I had this book before I entered college. It's a great resource. Kind of have a godly perspective as you're entering uh, into college and how to get connect, talking about getting connected to church and the importance of your faith and own your faith. Again, it's a great resource. So tune in as we talk with, to Ben Trueblood. Hey guys, I am super excited uh, to be talking uh, to Ben Trueblood, and I'm, uh, Ben Trueblood is one of the head guys in student ministry when it comes to Lifeway, and I'll let him introduce himself uh, here in just a second. So Ben, um, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, your journey in youth ministry, and where you are today? Yeah, Ryan, it's good to be here with you on the podcast. Uh, as far as title goes and what I'm doing now, it's Director of Student Ministry for Lifeway. Um, so been here for seven years. Before that, I was a youth pastor uh, for 13 years. So in local churches, 
uh, was doing that. It was one of those kids that was called to ministry, came to know the Lord in student ministry, called to, to ministry as a teenager, uh, went into youth ministry, and then have been leading student ministry here at Lifeway, like I said, for the last seven. And it has been uh, a joy to be here. A lot of people don't, when you hear lead student ministry for Lifeway, a lot of times people don't, they're like, okay, well, what does that mean? So I'll just give a quick, here's what that means. Um, all of our publishing, uh, so books and Bible study resources and training stuff uh, would sit in my area. We do summer camps and mission trips uh, from coast to coast and mission trips around the world. Um, and so that, that sits in my area. And then we have a training arm of what we do with LifeWay students. Uh, that's also a part of a part of our area. So just you want to think about it, everything to do with student ministry that comes out of Lifeway. Uh, it's come through through our department. So that that's the snapshot view. Uh, that that is absolutely great. One one thing I love um, what y'all are doing too is some some of the research um, in student ministry. Uh, I know I know Barner's produced some stuff, but um, I believe y'all have produced a new resource and, and that's came out. Within Reach, tell us tell us a little bit about about this new resource within Reach and what was the heart behind uh, creating that resource. Yeah, so uh, we have released this year uh, back in January um, newest research on how students stay connected to the church after they graduate high school. Um, so we dove into reasons why uh, they leave the church after high school, reasons why they stay. Um, and so that that's kind of the topic area of the research. As you mentioned, it's called Within Reach. Um, and the subtitle there, I think, is really important. Uh, the power of small changes in keeping students connected. So the approach that we wanted to take, uh, obviously, the, the research is, is kind of difficult because it does show um, that teenagers are leaving the church. Uh, 66% of students that are active in the church during their high school years will drop out of the church during their college years. Uh, and so obviously for people who are in student ministry and in the trenches of student ministry, that's a difficult statistic to hear. Um, but the direction that we wanted to take the, the research and the book called Within Reach that goes along with it is to take the positive view of that because what we really saw in the research was that hope is within reach. Uh, it is within reach of, for student ministries uh, to see that number change and see more students connected. And we actually didn't, didn't see from the research uh, that student ministry needs a full-scale uh, restructuring. What we saw instead was that there are a lot of small changes along the way um, that have a lot of power in keeping students connected to the church after high school. So uh, that's just the you know the brief snapshot view again of of what the research is. And man, had a lot of fun doing that research and uh, and diving into kind of a post student ministry view of what happens when kids leave. Yeah, there's two, there's within reach. And then also there was another resource that came out that you came out with just recently as well as a, a different college experience. I really think that these two resources, these two books kind of, to me, go hand in hand in a lot of ways. But what, what was the driving force behind writing uh, a different college experience? 
Man, thank you for saying that about those two resources too. Uh, different college experience. So if, if we can define it kind of this way, within reach, uh, the research and the tone of the book is really more for a ministry leader's audience. So whether that's bivocational or volunteer or full-time student pastor or a student pastor wants to get that and walk through it with their adult volunteers, that's kind of the audience there, those in leadership of student ministry uh, and even pastors and, and all of that. So uh, A Different College Experience is a book that a good friend of mine named Brian Mills uh, and I wrote together and it's directed towards the high school senior, high school junior, and then those at the very beginning of their college journey. Uh, and the driving force behind writing that, man, it's, it, it's, it may seem like a really simple story, but it was an impactful conversation. Brian and I were at a conference together, and we were on a bus uh, going to a, a part of that conference. So there was a lot of time that we could just sit and chat. He and I have known each other for years. Uh, both of us were in student ministry um, around the same times and kind of came up in student ministry together. And so uh, he had made a transition from student ministry and, uh, into being a college pastor and had a large college ministry uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas, uh, thousand plus college students. And he was sharing some of the things that, uh, that those college students were, were dealing with. And I asked him the question, man, you are now in college ministry and you are getting students after they've been in student ministry. Like they're coming to the college campus and you're getting them, you're getting the final product of student ministry, walking into your college ministry all the time. What would you go back and do differently now having seen the end result and ministering to the end result of student ministry? And that conversation sparked the idea behind this book. Uh, and what would we put into the hand of a college senior, or I mean a high school senior, or in the hand of a high school junior getting ready to enter their senior year before they go off to college? What would we want the last message to be to that group of people to solidify uh, their student ministry experience and help them launch into college very, very well. Because, you know, Brian was talking about dealing with uh, students who enter into college with, with a bunch of baggage and even through their choices and decisions that they make throughout their college years begin to accumulate emotional and spiritual baggage that lasts for a lifetime. And so how can we help people in that age group avoid some of the pitfalls and some of the mistakes while at the same time having an incredible college experience that is actually a catalyst for growth in their spiritual journey rather than the other way around. Yeah, that kind of that kind of jumps in uh, to the next thing I want to ask you about what what do you think contributes to teenagers leaving their faith or not growing in their faith when they enter into college? Yeah, that's a great question. So from the research uh, some of the things that we saw stand out as the, the highest percentage reasons why they dropped out uh, of the church during their college years was simply because they moved to college and stopped attending church. Or uh, some of the other things that we saw were, um, I moved too far away from the church to continue 
attending. Now, for us, as people who are in student ministry, when we hear responses like that, it's like, well, don't we have a, a better reason other than moving too far away or I moved to college or my life situation changed and I just stopped going? Certainly there is, I got in with the wrong friend crowd and started partying and a professor convinced me that my faith wasn't real. And to be honest with you, in the research, we didn't see any of those reasons that we commonly think of as why people stop attending the partying, the bad friend group, the professor convincing us we're wrong or whatever. We didn't see that come up in the research. Instead, we saw I moved to college and stopped attending church. I moved too far away. Um, And really, to me, that's a bigger problem than the partying and all of that stuff. We actually see that come into play as people stop attending church and stop surrounding themselves uh, with other people who are in the word and being that being a part of their rhythm in life. And then as, as being a part of the body of Christ goes away, then we see those other things begin to happen during these years. But the reason why I think I moved too far away uh, and I moved to college to stop attending and stopped attending church. The reason why I think that's actually more dangerous than the atheist professor and the bad friend group is because that reveals to us that we have a group of people here who have spent their high school years active in our student ministries and they're graduating without an understanding of what it means to truly be connected to the church to the body of Christ it means that we have a group of people leaving our student ministries that see church as an address and a location and something that they were involved in for a season of their life, but not something that is essential for their lives. Uh, they can't answer questions like, why does the church need me? And why do I need the church? And so For me, those are some of the contributing factors of teenagers leaving the church or dropping out of the church when they're in college. And it's, uh, we got to do a better job in student ministries on helping them connect to the body of Christ as a whole, to the church as a whole, and helping them answer those seemingly simple questions. Why does the church need me and why do I need the church? Yeah, one thing that I, again, it's just my own, my own opinion and perspective. One thing uh, I think kind of leans and, and causes, maybe contri- at least contribute to it, possibly will be a, a lack of uh, spiritual discipleship within the home. And again, that is one thing. And how to combat that has always been a question, even in my own ministry, uh, my own journey during student ministry, how to combat and how to help and partner with parents in, in discipling their teenagers in the home. And what I'm finding out and I'm hearing from uh, others, other people in youth ministry and youth leaders, I'm hearing the same things that is, 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 is how to, how to have a strategic plan in discipling, making sure parents are discipling themselves. Uh, so therefore they know what, how to disciple their own, uh, their own kids. Man, I think that is a huge part of it. Uh, So one of the things that came up in the research was that uh, 27% of these teenagers who were active in the church during their high school years said that their families regularly discussed spiritual things in the home. So again, these are students who are active in church, yet in the home, 
only 27% of them said that there were spiritual things discussed uh, in their home because through relationship with parents and, and things like that. So, man, I think you're right on it that parents discipling their teenagers um, is a huge piece uh, of this. We also, as a part of this research, did a good bit of study on the habits of student pastors. So we not only researched students who were active in the church and what their behavior in relation to the church was like in their college years. We also surveyed student pastors. And one of the things that we saw is that 59% of the student pastors that we surveyed said they rarely or never provide training for parents. Um, So to your point, training them how to be disciples so that they can disciple their kids is a big gap that we see uh, not only from personal experience of student pastors, but also from a research standpoint, it would back up exactly what you what you articulated. Yeah, well, one th- one thing that uh, I truly believe um, that helps again help to contribute help not it's not a bulletproof answer, but it help will help in this area is is leading from and discipling from the top down. Uh, there has to be the adult small groups or Sunday school, whatever your church calls it. There's got to be an atmosphere of, of true discipleship, and then through that, over time, will flow down and sink down in the student ministry as well, with parents and even uh, leaders within the student ministry investing in a certain level uh, in the in student ministry as well. Uh, but you think that, that that you think that's a long-term plan, a long-term goal? But do you think that that also will help uh, this area as well? Absolutely. I think ideally in a church situation. Uh, it would be a student pastor connecting with, um, again, if it fits your context, and this is church size dependent a little bit, but if there is a minister of education or an adult ministries leader, um, that there would be relationship and collaboration between the youth ministry and the person who's leading um, the Sunday school or life groups or whatever it is in your church that's in charge of the adult side of that. And that there would be a collaborative approach to saying, hey, what are we going to do with our adults to help them learn how to disciple their teenagers? Um, and that there's a, there's a process of working together and identifying perhaps gaps that exist now in discipling adults, uh, as well as the implementation of a discipleship plan for the adults of the church that can then trickle down. Yeah, the, the one thing I, I've read when I looked at looked at your research at within reach that was done that kind of brought out um, a question of concerning adults, specifically in student ministry. But why do you think that the number of adults that are investing in a teenager's, a teenager's life is directly connected to how strong their faith is after graduating high school? Yeah, so the number one factor that we saw in a student staying connected to the church during their college years is what you just mentioned. And that is the adult spiritual mentors that they had in their life during high school. So the way that we say it uh, and the way that the research uh, showed us was that when a high school student can identify three or more spiritual mentors, and we actually found that three was a key number there, when they can identify three or more spiritual mentors from the church uh, during their high school years, they're actually three times more likely to stay connected to the church 
during their college years. So that adult spiritual mentor is a key factor. So as a student pastor, that puts uh, should put a lot of importance and emphasis in our minds and saying, okay, if that's the number one factor, then the recruiting that I do, the training that I do, the developing of leaders that I do, the time that I spend with adult volunteers, um, even how I structure my ministry and providing opportunities for adults to pour into students and some of those adult, those uh, mentoring relationships to take root. It has massive impact all the way down in our programming and thought process and how we spend our time as a student pastor. And the reason why I think that came out as the number one indicator uh, is, is for a couple of reasons. Number one is because a teenager, it, for the most part, has a very small window of life to view their, their, their walk with Jesus through. So, you know, if you have a 16-year-old, um, chances are the most time that they have spent walking with Jesus to that point is probably 10 years or so, right? Now, I don't want to get into how early can someone place their faith in Jesus and that, but let's just say for the sake of conversation, they ask Jesus into their life. They, they place their faith in him as a six-year-old. Well, by the time they're 16, they've had 10 years of walking with Jesus. And certainly not the case for every teenager. Uh, we have teenagers in, in our church who walk through horrific things. But for the most part, those 10 years, there are not a lot of things that they've experienced that have been really walking through the depth of life with Jesus, right? So when they have an adult that has spent 30, 40 years walking through life with Jesus and have been through some incredible ups and some incredible downs and have learned of Jesus' faithfulness throughout that, they're able to speak about the faithfulness of the Lord, and they're able to speak about how Scripture has helped them through certain things in their lives in a different way than a teenager would discover on their own. Now, again, I want to say we know that there are teenagers who, by the time they're 16 and 17, unfortunately have walked through a lifetime of ups and downs. Uh, so I know that there's exceptions to that, but that's one of the reasons why I think that adult spiritual mentor is so important because they have a different, they have a longer timeline of Jesus that they can speak from. I also think that adult, adult spiritual mentor is key because as a part of the student ministry, those relationships are formed around the centerpiece of God's word. So whether it be through a home group or a discipleship group or a life group or whatever your church calls it, again, Sunday school doesn't necessarily matter the name, but a adult walking through in relationship with students where God's word is the centerpiece is another aspect of that adult spiritual mentor, where they're not just giving advice from their own life situations, but they're actually helping a teenager understand how God's word applies to their unique situation. That the Bible is not just some book of stories uh, that's old and archaic, but that it is actually living and active and speaks to us today. And I think that's a key part of that adult spiritual mentor as well, because those Bible skills 
study skills and the seeing the living and active scripture take root in their life, those are things that last a lifetime and will carry them through into their college years. No, no, I absolutely agree. What I'm, what I'm actually seeing across the board is between the Fuller Institute, between research by Barna, Lifeway, and others, is they're all saying the exact same thing. Uh, having a multiple, uh, multiple adults investing in a teenager's life is ultimately connected to after they graduate, how how strong their faith is. There's, there's a huge connection uh, between between the two. So I, I 100% agree. Well, I, in fact, one of my ultimate goals, even my own ministry and my own youth ministry, one, one of my goals is is to have a five to one ratio ministry, five adults to every one student. That's awesome. Um, it's it's an, it's an awesome goal to ha- have. It's it's a very hard goal to attain. Um, but yet again, it's a goal, and I think it's a goal that every every student pastor should have because of how how much um, it's correlated to a teenager's faith. Uh, once they graduate high school, so I think it's I think across the board, if if you're doing youth ministry, you're not, and that's not one of your goals. You, there's probably something missing within your within your student ministry. Mm-hmm. I I would agree. Um, and what, what uh, thing within uh, the book within reach between that research, there was something that that came across my eye that was a little bit of a, of a staggering statistic that came out uh, of that, and was and said that fifty percent of students. Said their student ministry, student ministry taught them how to study the Bible on their own. Uh, so basically, you had half of student pastors uh, not investing, youth pastors not investing in, in children. Is that what kind of what you're seeing in there? That you're seeing some student pastors, half of student pastors not investing how to teach students to study scripture. Were you seeing that in the study? Yeah, we did see that in the research that. The the survey was uh, again showed, and you know I I think we have to wrestle with the reality of of this and evaluate. And I think as student pastors, we should we should say, man, what can I learn from this, uh, and and how how can I change behavior to make sure that my students would not say this same thing? So we have to wrestle with the reality of it. And at the same time, I think we have to uh, we have to say that there is hope, right? So uh, that there is there we can change this. But you're right. Fifty four percent of students said that their student ministry taught them how to study the Bible on their yeah. own. So the reverse of that then is that forty six percent of them, right, said that they that their student ministry didn't equip them how to study the Bible for themselves. And that's concerning uh, because we know that yeah. scripture uh, is 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 how our lives are transformed, right? Like Second Corinthians three eighteen would tell us that we're transformed into the image that we that we see, and when we stare at Jesus, we're transformed into who He is, and the only the way that we stare at Jesus is through His Word. So if we're not equipping them to uh, if we're not equipping them to stare at Jesus through his word, if we're not equipping them to understand God's word, to, to learn how to study it during the time that we have them in student ministry, then it's going to be a real challenge for them when they show up on a college campus or in the military or in the, the workforce 
and then there's no one to say, hey, do you have your quiet time today? And they, because they've never learned how, they question the validity of even doing it. And so uh, I, I think a phrase that is helpful um, that I've used in the past and uh, is that, man, I, I hope that when students graduate and leave the student ministry, that the Bible doesn't feel awkward in their hands that they've spent enough time with God's word, both in our student ministry programming and events and all those things, but also on their own with help from a godly leader that they're able to have a relationship with Jesus just between him and them. And, uh, and like you said, the statistics show that 46% of students uh, in our research group said that their student ministry had not taught them how to study the Bible on their own. So that is, we would identify that for sure as an area that that we have to see some improvement. Yeah, well, uh, one thing that uh, one thing I'm truly believe in when it comes to when it comes to teaching ministry is the value of repetition because repetition uh, brings retention. It's just a, it's just a, a common educating. Uh, type of phrase and, and way about teaching. My wife's an educator, so I get, get all my ideas and all my things from her. But one, one, one thing that I try my best to practice in my own student ministry is, is the importance of spending time with God, uh, to my students, the importance of it, and also at the same time, uh, how, how to spend time with God, how to study, study God's Word, how to, what to do. So again, every, how you spend time with God is really in the, con, is in the context of who you are. Um, of things you do for us, for instance, like journaling. Some people like to journal, prayer journal. Some people like to look a little, go a little bit more academic in their study, things like that. But how to the basically basic things of how to look at God's word to break it down in your own personal time is extremely, extremely important. But what, what are some strategies that you think that youth leaders maybe can implement to possibly combat this in their own ministries? Yeah. So. Uh- I think one of them, and you know, some of your podcast listeners, they may say, "Like, man, that's super old school, and we need to embrace our culture and technology and all that kind of stuff." But honestly, I think one of the things that super practical that we can do is actually have students with the Bible in their hands, not the Bible app on their device. Uh, now, the Bible app, like it's build a Bible. It's the words of the Bible. We can read the Bible that way. God can speak through it because it's his word. Sure. All of that. But um, there to me still is something very special and important about a student learning how to study the Bible when the Bible is in paper book form in their hands. And so I think finding books of the Bible and navigating that I think is an important tool uh, that quite honestly is being lost in uh, in teenagers today because it's as easy as swiping to the right uh, to the uh, the correct Bible book. So I think that's a piece of it. Um, the other thing is, I think teaching basic spiritual disciplines uh, and study skills has to be a part of, of our small group ministry or maybe some extra things that we do. But you mentioned uh, journaling. I think that is a really important tool for helping people learn how 
to engage with scripture and remember what scripture, what, what God is teaching them through the word. And it, it too, I would say, is becoming a lost discipline or a lost art, so to speak, in, in people's spiritual lives. So I think practically just sitting with people and teaching them how to do it. Uh, the small group is a fantastic place for this to happen because you're walking through God's word and you're applying God's word to your life. And a leader, a small group leader in that moment can say to the group of students, what, eight, 10 students in your small group, or whatever it is, uh, hey, this is, this is how to do this. Like this is, these are the questions to ask of a passage. And this is how it applies to your life. And through repetition, they can begin to do that on their own. Um, I think accountability around reading God's word is another piece of this. Uh, because if they're just getting it on Sundays uh, or Tuesday nights or whenever the group meets and, and they're not engaging with it throughout the week, then that process of learning how to study the Bible for themselves is going to go really slowly. But if that leader is helping them also know what passages or, or a reading plan that a student pastor can deliver to the ministry or whatever it is, um, if they can follow that reading plan and part of that group time can be, hey, talk to me about what you read this week. Then the student knows throughout the week, if they have questions about what they're reading, they can write those questions down and bring them back. And there's going to be a point in the group where they can ask questions of God's word so that there's this give and take of, okay, I read this this week, but I didn't really understand what it was saying. Can you as the leader help me understand that? And that leader can be the student pastor. It can be an adult volunteer, small group leader, whatever it is. But that opportunity to have a plan for students to read during the week and then a moment for students to be able to be held accountable for that as well as be able to ask their questions and be shown how to apply, I think is really important. And then the last thing that I would mention is memorization. In a group, memorizing God's word together, actually reciting that together and making sure that that, that, that takes place is an important part of this. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you made a good point about memorization. I hundred percent agree with that. One thing that um, I would say I've I've uh, run into in the end and trying to implement some of that uh, within my own ministry is trying to get past the idea that um, uh, that this that this that's not a a children's ministry practice. And the re reason why I say that, because we think about Awana, think about other things where your kids are memorizing scripture and all that. And when I first started in my context where I'm at, I try to implement those type of things. And one, th one thing I was finding is some of the students were starting to feel like this is back in children's, children's ministry, children's church. Now, for, for those youth pastors that may be going across this uh, in their ministries, trying to implement it, but running to walls with students, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, for memorization specifically? Yeah. Yeah, so I think, again, I think the accountability around that is really important. I also think the leader doing it alongside them is key. So if a student says or can see, man, my leader is not just telling me to memorize, but is actually doing it with me, that's a huge motivator for a teenager to say, man, I'm, I'm going to do this too. I'm, they're doing it. It's important enough for them. So that must mean it's important enough 
for me to really engage in this. And then I think it's a process. You know, the things that we've talked about throughout the podcast, um, they're not overnight success story type of things. These are things that are all a part of the process of making disciples. And I think it's good for us to remember that. So when we think about helping a student learn to study the Bible for themselves, when we think about helping them to make memorization a part of their spiritual disciplines, we have to realize that it's not going to work perfectly right away, that there are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be moments for the teenagers where they do it really well and then where they need some more encouragement. Um, again, accountability is part of that, but realizing that these are things that we do with the long game in mind, but this is going to be a process over several years where we're building these things into teenagers and that we're doing it alongside of them, like I mentioned with the leaders, um, and that we're encouraging them along the way rather than shaming them into it. Uh, I think those, all of those things play a factor uh, but for memorization specifically, I would say the leader doing it alongside of them. I would say accountability. And then I would, I would say helping them understand how they best memorize. So some people best memorize, and this may sound silly, but some people best memorize by putting a tune to the verses. Uh, if they're a musical type of person, um, if they write it out on a note card and put it on their mirror or somewhere where they're going to see it every day, that's uh, somebody is going to memorize better that way. Uh, and then someone saying it out loud is another way to themselves where they're going to memorize it. So I think helping a student be able to understand the best ways that they learn and can absorb information and remember it is a part of training them too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you made the point about longevity and anything you, you, you do and making changes and how it's a process. Because I, I, I think in our culture, our culture is seeped in into church culture where we want a, because we, again, we're consumer minded. We're a fast food minded, want it now, want it fast. And I think we uh, sometimes, even in student ministry and other ministries at the church, we kind of seep into that culture thinking that change uh, should happen now. And if we forget to understand, understand and realize that it's a process that takes time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one last question, I think the last question I wanted to ask is a question that we like to ask on this podcast, but what is one piece of advice that you would give youth leaders in their ministries? Man, I, so this is, this is one that, so if I also went back and said like, what's one thing I wish I, I, I didn't know, wish I'd known when I started out now a lot of years into, into student ministry. Um, I would put this in the same category of that piece of advice, uh, is that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have an answer for every single thing. Now you should go find an answer, but you don't have to have an answer on the spot for every single situation and every single thing that comes your way. Um, it doesn't mean you're a bad leader. It doesn't mean you're unprepared. Uh, we can't just make stuff up on the, on the spot. And so, man, I, I think, I, I think that's it. One piece of advice is you don't just remember, you don't have to know every single thing of every moment. Uh, 
there's a reliance on the Lord that is a part of this student ministry thing. There are leaders in your ministry that are going to have better answers to, to situations than you do. They're going to be parents that have uh, at times that are going to have better thoughts than you do about a situation. And that's okay. Uh, it, the mark of a great leader is not knowing every answer at every moment, but knowing the right places to go to get the right answers and being willing to listen to wise voices that are all, all around us all the time. So that's kind of what, what I would throw out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I think even in my own time in, in youth ministry, how I got sucked in thinking I should know everything, uh, depressed and upset of myself, getting caught by a student, uh, not having an answer for a student. So I, I, I 100% agree. Don't, don't try to be the person who, who you have to know it all because you're not going to know it all. You're not God. You're not going to know everything. You're not going to answer to every question that runs your way. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, Ben, if, if somebody want to get connected with you, well, what is the best way to get them connected? They had questions about student ministry, youth ministry, and some of the topics that were, we brought up today. What's, what's the best way to get connected with you? Yeah, best way, uh, easiest way is probably through social media. Um, it's just at Ben Trueblood, T-R-U-E-B-L-O-O-D. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, so that, that's probably the quickest, easiest way. And, and then it can go from there. Well, that's great. And again, I, I want to thank you, Ben, for c- taking your time out on the podcast. I know you're busy for a lot of things that you're doing in the summer at Lifeway. So I just want to appreciate you coming out on the podcast today. Man, honored to be here. Thanks so much. Okay, guys, you just heard from Ben Trueblood about why students are leaving the church uh, after they graduate high school. Uh, two things that, uh, for me personally, that I've taken away from this. And the first thing is, is try to create an environment in your student ministry, youth ministry, where there's multiple adults invested in a teenager's life. And get that three to one, five to one ratio Try to create that within your student ministry. That should be your goal. And part of doing that is partnering with parents, getting parents to understand the importance of this, Uh, training them, teaching them to find out, find adults to invest in their teenager. Again, a partnership is not, doesn't all come across and all on your shoulders as a student youth pastor or youth leader. It also falls on the parent as well. So train them, uh, educate them on the importance of this. Highly recommend it. And the, and the second thing I would recommend as well is create an environment with your student ministry where you're discipling students. Train them on the importance of spending time with God, uh, learning church, uh, the disciplines of the faith. Just really invest in them spiritually and disciple their your students have a strategy on how to do that so those two biggest things that i took away from ben true blood again it was very insightful as i was talking to him uh, having a conversation very insightful um different ways and strategies on making sure that your teens and your students own their faith own their faith by the time they graduate high school. 
Again, guys, make sure you tune, tune in to next week's episode. If you found this content useful, I would highly recommend just give us a uh, five-star rating. Give us a positive review. Again, this helps uh, this content to be more available to others uh, as well. It just makes it more available. Again, I just appreciate y'all doing that. Again, make sure you tune in again to next week's episode.